Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 90 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And uh, today we wanted to cover a couple items. First, we wanted to have Mark give us an update on the uh, UTI uh, PCR testing and kind of what's going on with that. We talked about that last week in uh, last episode. And also, we want to cover Modifier 22. We had a question come in about uh, Modifier 22 and is it worth pursuing uh, billing with modifier 22 and so uh, let's first start with the PCR and the, uh, the UTI PCR update and uh, I will mention that we will include in here a link to an article that uh, Mark published uh, and this is coming out on April 1st so Mark published this article so we got that up on the PRS network website so we will put a link to that in episode 90 so prsnetwork.com forward slash zero nine zero so Mark you want to share with the just give an update I know we're going to have to continually talk about this but where are we now and kind of what's what's happening yeah all right so um basically uh what what is in the the article we published is the known if you will um, we gave a link to the, uh, to the website for Palmetto for frequently asked questions on how to apply for a Z code. Um, we also, um, added some of the color around, um, what the current LCDs are, who they apply to and who they do not apply to. Um, and then, gave you all the LCDs and LCAs that have been published on this. So you can go read them for yourself. And, uh, you know, I would recommend, you know, nighttime, end of day, need to go to sleep stuff. It's exciting, but, um, <laughs> it, and, and, and it is a little bit confusing on all of this stuff. So, um, but, uh, you know, bottom line, we've confirmed a few things. Um, number one, the LCD policy was multi-jurisdictional for sure. Um, uh, we definitely saw this as a reaction to uh, a significant spike in utilization of PCR testing across the board. Um, I did find out in talking to other folks that it was actually not urology um, that was the primary offender here. It was primary care. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why this LCD actually it uh, focuses not just on UTIs, um, it's a kind of an afterthought that's added on there, but um, on GI, uh, vir uh, respiratory viruses, STIs, um, and then UTIs are in there. So um, there is, uh, you know, there's the PCRs are, are not confined just in those, the, the molecular testing is not confined just to urology. And, and there was a lot of you know, there are a lot more primary care docs out there, and there were a lot of tests being ordered when they weren't needed. Um, now, that doesn't mean they're not going to look at medical necessity for urology, and that there weren't a few people that were probably being too aggressive on 
testing uh, or molecular testing with UTIs. So um, they are going to be looking at that um, across the board, and that's where this LCD came into play. Uh, and ultimately, for those that are in with um, CGS, um, the Neridian, WPS, uh, and Palmetto uh, jurisdictions, you guys are all part of the Moldex, and that's where the LCDs and LCAs are solid at this point. Those that are in Novitas, First Coast Service Organization, and uh, NGS um, really don't have those LCDs or LCAs right now to contend with, um, but we fully expect that we'll probably see PLA codes um, develop for UTIs and PCRs and pricing assigned to those and some controls put around there because those uh, carriers did participate in the meetings. So they're, they know it's an issue. They know it's going to be something they're going to target. So I think everybody ought to prepare for that. And that's what that article gives you, some of that background uh, and that information fairly succinctly explained um, with just the highlights. So that's kind of the quick update. And um, as I find more, we'll pass it on. All right. And uh, and as you mentioned, you know, definitely pay attention to where you're located because, uh, you know, it will for the Moldy X uh, participants. That's where that's that's where this is coming into effect right now and slated for April 17th, I think, is the date that uh, yep. that is going in. OK. All right. Ray, any thoughts on that? Any comments? Well, Mark, just one question. The bottom line here is that uh, this is like most technologies. When it first comes out, they're fairly profitable, and now they're finding a way to curtail use and cut cut profit. Is that about the bottom line? That's probably a short version of saying it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that I mean, it is. Uh, you know, when they see a spike like it, like as you mentioned, there is a flag within the Medicare structure. And the reality is, you know, everything runs on a budget and Medicare runs on a specific budget. And as, you know, you start allocating more money towards PCR UTIs, you're essentially affecting what the conversion factor is going to be for next year. Um, so, Medicare comes in and tries to control any spikes relative to any particular area so that you avoid shifting all the revenue into one spot because they got to be able to take care of all of their Medicare beneficiaries with one. That's the that's the uh, the high level, you know, rosy polish on the yeah, they're going to come after really profitable procedures. And they see that based on volume and they see it based on spread. The number of different groups that were opening PCR labs was growing tremendously. So it was a it was a, a meteoric rise uh, and they needed to respond and they responded more quickly than we thought. We knew they would eventually respond as Medicare and the payers always do um, to those areas, those new technologies as they come out. And then they the profit margin gets whacked. Um, in two or three ways. One is controlling how much can be used and the other one controlling how much they pay for each one. 
All right. Okay. Well, we'll stay tuned for this. Uh, we'll definitely keep you updated as we learn more about it. And uh, we'll have a part three, I'm sure, soon. Okay. So the next thing that uh, we want to cover is Modifier 22. We had a question this week on the uh, Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group about Modifier 22. And, you know, some providers were say, asking, questioning their coder to say, yeah, is it really worth uh, you know, submitting a claim with a modifier 22. So, Mark. So I, short, short answer and long answer. <laughs> all right. So the, the short answer is it depends on who you ask, right? Um, and the, but the, the longer answer on this is the modifier 22 is being recognized by the majority of payers. Um, and it will, if pursued appropriately result in additional reimbursement if used appropriately and supported by documentation appropriately. Um, and it does take extra time and effort to do all of those things. So there is no such thing as a free lunch um, in, the, in, in anything that we do. Um, so uh, you know, basically what we're seeing, and we see this with multiple groups within our our billing service, we use Modifier 22 for folks, and we are getting paid uh, more for those, anywhere from 25 to 30% on average, and sometimes a little bit higher. Um, but um, it can be done, it can be utilized, but that documentation is absolutely key to making this work. Otherwise, all you're doing is chasing your tail uh, and slowing down your payments. So um, when we look at the use of that modifier 22, um, um, and you've heard us, those of you who have come to seminars have heard us talk about this before. Um, it's very important to clearly and um, visibly document the extra effort that is required. And it is also something that you need to consider using judiciously. Um, you know, every physician that I talk to, um, well, I won't say everyone, but most physicians that we talk to, you know, feel like they have the more difficult cases. Um, and some of those, you know, do uh, have more difficult cases, but in the end, modifier 22 is an increased procedural ser service, and it is unusually, um, I, I will say, well, I'll say it should be unusual in that its work effort is there. So remember that the RVUs that are developed and the payment methodologies are based on the average case. So there's a bit of wiggle room as far as those cases that are easier and those cases that are more difficult that still fall into that realm of basically that's part of average, right? The average means some are harder, some are easier. So there's a, there's a range there that you're really not going to use that modifier 22 on some of those cases that are slightly more difficult. 
So what what makes the support for a 22? Well, um, I would encourage you to look at some specific thresholds or markers before using modifier 22. Um, and um, I usually use or stub in that the effort is one and a half times the normal effort as kind of that bottom end threshold. Um, that ultimately your documentation when you submit it has to support that the overall effort for this for that particular case on that particular day with that particular patient took one and a half times more effort at least than what you would normally provide within that range um, for that particular service. A couple of examples that are, are fairly easy to look at. Um, so one would be TUR of bladder tumors. Um, we know we can bill only on the largest size tumor. But if you had a patient that you had, um, let's say, 10, TUR, 10 tumors that you're removing, um, and they went from medium to small, and um, there were no large tumors in that mix, then the, your operative note talking about the number of tumors, the number of resections that you did, and the time relative to what it would take to do your average case of maybe two or three tumors um, is an area where you could look at a modifier 22. Um, and I would recommend that your documentation in your operative note include that summarization within the executive summary or the findings, wherever you put that quick description of the procedure that you did um, so that nobody has to read the full operative note to find out how much extra effort really went in there. Um, and I would use language like this took one and a half times as long or twice as long as I would normally spend uh, for this procedure um, in, that, in that particular note. Ray, thoughts on that? Mark, I think that was an excellent discussion because the key thing is to remember that you are paid for an average, which means there is a, uh, a hard procedure and an easy procedure that's still within the range of the code you're paid for. And I would assume, Mark, you're and I think you made it pretty clear that the one and a half times probably should be one and a half times more than the uh, difficult procedure that you normally do. Oh, I would put it one and a half times the average, um, you know, because the, uh, you know, if you're looking at an average case being one to two tumors and the, and the overall carriage going back to the TURBT. Um, you know, if you did four tumors, yeah, that's double, but that's not really double the full effort there because you've got the setup and the recovery and everything that's surrounding that. But 10 makes it a little bit more uh, outside of the norm. You know, that that's, I mean, those are kind of that differences, but I would compare it to the average that it would take time-wise for two, not what it took me for four. 
And in the documentation, you you in discussion, you mentioned effort, difficulty, and time. So all of those things count, right? Right, and and any clinical things like we so TUR bladder tumor was fairly simple, but you know if there is, you know it takes you 45 minutes to lice adhesions to get to a, an operative field for a, you know a, a prostate that you're trying to remove, you know, explaining, you know, why the field was so difficult and why it took so long to get there would be important in that overall process. So the why is important, the what is important, and the how long is important. In the uh, in the description of modifier 22, you know, the AMA mentions, you know, for example, you know, when you document it says documentation must support the substantial additional work and the reason for the additional work. And the they give an example of increased intensity, time, technical difficulty of the procedure, severity of the patient's condition, physical and mental effort required. So, so those are the examples they used, and you know, and you covered all those, uh, a lot of those as well in your examples. And Mark, you mentioned that you've been successful in getting paid for the 22 in the groups you bill for. But you also have examples of others that have been successful as well. Oh, yeah. And, and we shouldn't say me. Like, I mean, it's the <laughs> team that does that. I mean, it's based on the full effort across the board. We've got the physicians who are providing the right documentation. We've got the communication to the billing team, and then you've got the billing team in the back end that support the submission of the records and the follow-up um, that is required on those. And that's why it's, it is no free lunch. It takes pieces along the way. And yes, you're right. The use of the 22 modifier by different groups across the country, um, we do see it, it. It's not magic. It is basically a systematic approach that requires each of those pieces to work to make sure you get paid um, that extra money for that. So, you know, again, you close in to use it judiciously and make sure that everybody's got their job and they're, um, and they are doing it well along the way and the team function that is getting paid for what you do. And we have heard that some payers, uh, you know, are automatically paying certain practitioners when they submit with a modifier 22 because they've done exactly what you've talked about over time. (laughs) And they they put explanations in box 19 when they submit them. And so there's you're going to have to figure out your own payers and and build those trusts over time and don't abuse them. All right, and do you see, you know, are there, since these are all individually adjudicated, um, do they uh, come back and look at any specific usage of that when you say don't abuse it? Is it, uh, are there, do the payers look at the frequency of modifier 22 or since they're all individually reviewed anyway, they're not really looking at that type of stuff? So they, they should, they, what should happen, and the way the carrier manual has, is that the payers are supposed to review those along the way. So there shouldn't be a big 
back-end audit on the 22 modifier for anybody um, because they're reviewed along the way. So that's not a uh, necessarily a volume-based piece, um, but um, you know I think it is going to depend on on ultimately you know if, if they see abuse. So they see some group that's coming in with 22s all the time, and they're not a tertiary trauma or some operating center. Um, there may be a closer look, um, but that probably won't be in the form of a rack. It'll be the MAC. So it'll be the carrier that does it and does it along the way. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, let's do some final thoughts, Ray. Uh, no, I think that's a good discussion. Nothing to add. Mark, anything, uh, any final thoughts? Um. I don't think so. I think we've covered this fairly well today. Um, you know, ultimately, I guess the you know the cautions are there. Um, use it judici judiciously and get everybody set up to handle it. And uh, and kind of the bottom line is, it is worth it because you're doing the extra effort. You know, to in the procedure. So, you know, if it's warranted, use it. Correct. All right. That's it. Uh, if you want to look at the article again, remember you can go to episode uh, 90. So that's prsnetwork.com forward slash 090. And uh, you can, there's, we'll put a link into the article on UTIs, uh, the, the UTI PCR update. And that's, uh, that's all we got for this episode. Ray, take us out. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. Juicery.